And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, welcome to a January something edition of the Leaf Report podcast brought to you by The Athletic and Babsocks and the Saki Hall of Fame, which are one and the same. James, what up? Big news with the Leafs. Do you want to break it? Yeah. Go ahead. Practice was canceled. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so if anybody saw James's tweet on Tuesday morning, he just, he you tweeted that practice was canceled and Kyle Dubas was speaking, which makes it seem like there is some shit going on. That, yeah. like, they just canceled practice and now the general manager is speaking, but that's not actually what was going on. They didn't practice. I screwed it up. Yeah, like, the thing is that the Leafs cancel practices all the time. So, well, they didn't cancel it this morning, and and Dubis was only talking because technically they kind of had to make someone available to the media. Is there like and a he number was the of one. days they have to make someone available? Is that how does that work? No, it's just like something to do with like the Professional Hockey Writers Association, where if they're gonna kind of change their plan, um, they still have to make someone of available to the media so they didn't they didn't practice saturday because they had back-to-back games in florida mm-hmm. um and then they played sunday and then they practiced monday i think everyone was counting on them practicing tuesday in the air all the media was counting on them practicing tuesday because we we're trying to get stuff for the all-star break and the bye week and all that kind of stuff so um anyway the the fact that there wasn't practice was not a big deal and the way that i tweeted it a lot of people took it as to be a big deal, which was a mistake. Well, so he did speak, which is interesting because, you know, Kyle Dubas doesn't speak a lot no, to the media. No, that's unusual. Especially, no. it's like people People were saying it's like a trade deadline thing, but trade deadline's over a month away. Well, apparently this is going to be the only, the last time he talks before the deadline, which... So he's not going to talk before the trade deadline? Which kind of sucks, but what are you going to do? Um, but so we did learn... He did speak about generally about the deadline. The tough thing for him... Did he explain why practice was canceled? Okay, enough. (laughs) (laughs) The tough thing for him in, like, these situations, and and for us as reporters, is there's only so much he can say. Like, he's not going to come out... I know some teams do this, but, like, if you're a smart GM, there's no point in doing this, where people ask, what parts of your roster do you need to upgrade? He doesn't answer that, because there's no upside in answering that. Um, I found Dubas to be very kind of lawyerly 
in, yes. in all of his public. For sure. More than I thought. I thought that he, he's he's very good at not saying a whole lot that's interesting. So how long did he talk for today? It was about 15 minutes. Okay. I think it's... I think you have to be... It's interesting. I think he learned from Lou Lamorello, who, same way, talked, oh. but didn't say a lot. But he... Lou doesn't even say though, any words. <laughs> yes, which was very frustrating when I was asking him questions during some interviews. It was, but, I always found it interesting with Lou is that when you spent time with him away from the formal setting, he would talk so much more. And then whenever it was like a press conference, it was like pulling teeth. I think it... To be honest, it sucks for us. I think it's... Oh, generally pretty smart because I don't think you accomplish much by saying tons. Like I remember it makes in sense. past GMs, like you would hear stuff all the time, like about the Leafs under Dave Nonis. They want to trade Gardner and they want to look at trading Kadri. And it's like, that doesn't do you any good. Um, and you've seen like with other teams, how they kind of handle their business. Like look what's going on in Edmonton where like, I don't know, you just hear Shirelli, Peter Shirelli talk about his team. Uh, and like they had lost uh, a few games a few weeks ago and he came out after the trades for some of those defensemen he said well you know we'd lost some games and we had to do something it's just like no a don't say that and b don't do it so it's it's about giving the media headlines right and like talk radio gets on it and stews on it and i don't think dubas does that i mean dubas only talks what every like two or three months or something like not very often Mm -hmm. and when we found out last night that he was talking you and i were like are we going to write something? And like, I didn't even know if there was going to be a story that would come out of the fact that he was talking, even though that's a rare thing. You decided to do a story. It's going to be posted on The Athletic probably by the time people are listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what Dubas said made you think, I want to do a story about this? Well, it just got me thinking, like, even going into the morning of preparing for it, he has a lot on his plate. Um, and it's he's in a really difficult not a difficult spot. Actually, it is a difficult spot. He's in an interesting spot because he has so many things to do and one kind of impacts the other. So obviously the, the Martyr and Matthews extensions, not ex- yeah, I guess extensions, um, you kind of need to know what those are going to look like for the trade deadline. It's not, you don't have to know, but it would help you if you're going to acquire a player with term if you know what Matthews and Martyr are making. He doesn't know that because they're not done. And obviously Marner has... There's a pretty you know, small window where they're going to come in though, right? Don't you think? I guess. Well, that's true. I guess if you do a bridge deal with Marner or something and the cap hit is lower, it's like, okay, well, we can afford... It's easier to bring in yes. a Petrangelo or a defenseman that has some term or whatever. Right. If Marner only signs a three-year deal or something. And you're right. Like, if you, you generally, they know a framework of what this is going to cost. Like, it's probably between 9 and 11 for Marner, and it's probably between 11 and 13 or whatever for Matthews. I think you're a little bit high, but what a, we'll I, see. I don't think I'm high, but okay, we'll see. Um, but to me, that's what, it, what was interesting, and I kind of wanted to know my question, building off something you had written for The Athletic, was does he feel like they have enough prospects that they can trade some to get players? Because like you look at what they have, and, and you kind of wonder, like, yeah, how said, much do they really have to trade if they're not pulling off the current roster? And I don't know what the answer to that, and he was really kind of defensive. That yeah, he, he said my story it. sucked. No, he didn't mention you. Um, but he did say that he thinks their prospect pool is better than people think. And, and his thing, and this is something like he's talked about for a long time, is he believes that like when when teams and analysts and media people are doing rankings, they weigh the World Juniors too heavily. 
and he thinks it's a recency bias. And like I pointed out in my story, like if you go back to that Sloan conference he did in 2015, he talked about that. Like he said, like it's a big mistake that even he has made when he's done rankings where you're looking at recent performance when you're evaluating the prospects. And he said that's a dangerous thing to do. I'm not sure that that is fair when you're looking at the prospects, whether you're saying they're good enough. So Corey Prom and I talked yeah. to him about the Leafs prospect pool, and he had them 19th in August, and he has brought that number down because the Leafs have graduated a bunch of the players that, that Corey considers prospects. So he said basically he thinks the Leafs prospect pool is probably bottom five right now, and I think he's probably right. Like, I don't have a, a full handle on every single team in the league. Mm-hmm. I just look at what the Leafs have, and I don't see a lot there. And if I'm Dubis, I don't want that to be broadcast to every other team in the league sure. that that maybe some of these prospects that, that people are talking about aren't as good as... Mm-hmm as where they were picked or as ever I it's 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 hard to rate a prospect pool because we're talking about I mean this happened with Kapanen I mean Kapanen's obviously come a long way and is a I think a, a better player now than he probably projected when they got acquired him and that obviously can happen I just wonder how other teams around the league and other GMs look at the prospects that the Leafs have in terms of as assets that you can trade for for a good defenseman. Well, and that's like if you're looking at it from the outside, like if I was an opposing GM, I'd be like, okay, well, what has appeal here that's going to like I can count on helping me if I'm going to move a a serious piece? I'd look at Callie Rosen like he signed for two more years, like potential like five, six kind of guy. That's helpful. I'd look at Timothy Logan, obviously, first-round pick, upside, still really young, 19 in the AHL. I'd look at Rasmus Sandin, obviously. I'd maybe look at Jeremy Bracco, Carl Grundstrom, Trevor Moore, but like, there's not there's not a ton there where you're looking well, at... Well, I think like, you got to look at even more recent picks that aren't even with the Marlies yet, right? I mean... Sure. I think Timothy Logan and Rasmus Sandin are the guys that, like, the marquee prospects they've got, mm-hmm. and... I, I would be there's no way I would move both of those guys and I would be hesitant to move one of them and see that's like so that's kind of why I wanted to write about this that's a really tough balance because like if you're going to make a trade let's let's use Petrangelo as an example and St. Louis is, is saying to you we need to get one of those guys how do you not make that trade when you're trying to win a cup and yet like I'm also aware of what you just said those guys are really important to their longer term future but like they're trying to win right now so, like, if it costs you Timothy Lilgren to get Alex Petrangelo, how do you not do it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's tough. Like, that's... No, I lean that direction, too. I lean that direction, too. So... I mean, if you're the GM of the Leafs, you you want the other side to think that these first-round mm-hmm. picks that you've got have, have really high value. And But I just... The other thing that, that, that Dubas did say today that I caught was he was kind of talking about how they... Again, how they want this to be a, like a long-term window mm-hmm. where they're competitive. So there's the, a balance there where if you acquire a Petrangelo who's only signed for next year, um, that's it, literally is, my story. That's exactly it. Like that's. Well, the I'm point. just gonna read it. <laughs> I mean, then the rest of the podcast is gonna be. I don't know. I haven't read your story. I don't. I, yeah. I was calling you like half an hour ago, and I was gonna say, "What the hell are you writing about?" Because like I'm not really sure if there's what there is to say out of this. But anyway, anything you write about about Kyle Dubas and the Leafs seems to do well. So I'm, I wasn't saying don't write about it. I was just curious. Well, I don't want to write a story just to write a story. I want it to be interesting. I should but have I, written a story about practice being canceled. That would, yeah, people would have loved that. Practice canceled. Headline, headline, read all what about it, it. What does it mean? But I guess when you look at the other tough thing, and we've talked about this before, actually I've started to kind of change my tune on this. We had always kind of looked at 
the right defense thing and said like there's not a lot out there. I think we got to, we need to be careful with that. And I've started to like check myself because we don't know what the hell is available. Like we could, like I, I was well, looking at some teams. That who would have thought St. Louis and Philly exactly. and these teams would be way out of it? I exactly. thought both those teams would, or Chicago right. or L.A. Like there's all of these teams that could have been playoff teams that yeah. fell up. So well, look, like look at so I was looking I was playing around with some rosters. Like look at the Ducks. So the Ducks yeah. aren't good. So suddenly maybe the Ducks look at 27 year old Josh Manson who signed for four more year three more years after this one. And they say you know what. Maybe maybe the right move for us is is moving him for something younger that helps us long term when we have to build after Perry and Getzlaff are done. Good one, Randy. Thanks. It's hard to have a serious discussion Sorry. with you sometimes. I'm ready. But you know what I mean? Like so I think we need to be careful in saying that certain people or players aren't available because we just don't know. Yeah, the Anaheim's a great example. And they have a lot of depth on defense and so I don't know. Teams all of a sudden get like we look at it in September and it's like well you look at who the possible yeah. rental players are going to be and we were looking at you know people didn't think the Islanders were going to be any good people didn't think you know this the 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 league people didn't think Montreal was going to be any good and yes. then maybe someone like Jeff Petrie would be available who would be a, a good fit and then all of a sudden Montreal's good and he's not available and yes you look how good uh, Calgary turned out to be and they didn't make the playoffs mm-hmm. last year I mean this is a very volatile league that changes a lot and mm-hmm. I think we should we should segue into talking about the fact that Leafs haven't been winning a lot of games recently, and that's potentially part of the reason that Kyle Dubas decided to talk. And I've, no, I don't think that's why. The, the, there was this opening where, anyway, so he he was taking some of the heat off of of Nylander and and yes. some of the other players, Gardner, right? Which whoa, James, I heard your stomach growl, hungry. Yeah. Wow. Um, I heard we're getting fish and chips after this. Yeah. Um. So you, he did come to the defense of Gardner, which is not surprising. Um, first, I think we should mention the athletic. Um, we are com slash leaf report, 40% off, the greatest subscription money can buy. Well, and it just seems like there's always like a story popping out now that's causing like some ripples. Like um, the other day, Marcus Thompson in Golden State had a story about Durant and Draymond Green hashing it out. A little bit before that, there was a story about LeBron getting a call from Kyrie Irving. I don't know why I'm setting all basketball stories. I, did I, you read the one that Cruikshank did about the Flames dressing room and why players sit where they do? I that, haven't read that, but that, that's that like on my great. list. The story was so great. What, what what was the idea? The idea was what goes into the seating plan for where players sit in the dressing room and why it's important. And like you don't you think that that's a weird idea and it wouldn't work? But the quotes he got from players and like how into the story they were, and he talked to the trainer who decides where everyone sits and stuff like that, and mm. like where the good places to sit are and where the bad places are, and like what they learn, what like uh, I can't remember the player, what like a Matthew Kachuk learns from sitting next to Giordano, and I might have that wrong, but like you know, and well, it's like strategic in the leaf room, like they have, I believe, Marlowe sitting seated next to. Matthews and like Marner seated next to Tavares and they have like the the European guys like Lindholm, Janssen, Kapanen all seated together in a row. We should do the story like we should do the, the because anyway if you read that piece like that could have been a story where you put like a couple hours work into it and you just bang it out but the way that that Scott Cruikshank wrote it is that he spent like hours and hours on it and it was fantastic like it's he had everything and of course with the Leafs we couldn't get we couldn't get Pappy, the the trainer, to talk about it, which was a big part of of why the Flames one was so good. But I think people would still be interested in that. There's like kind of this: if you where you sit in the dressing room, that's who you spend. That's who the players spend their time interacting with and talking to a lot more because you're 
you're getting changed, you're getting unchanged, you're, I don't know, there's, yeah, and you're right, the European, the Swedes are sitting next with the Finns, and the, yeah, it's interesting. Goalies sit together and talk to each other, defensemen are usually together, defensemen are always together, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and there was a, obviously Josh Cloak had a cool story about a week in the life of Morgan Riley, which was kind of neat to kind of see what life is like kind of for some of these guys when they're away from the rink. Um, so if you haven't read that, check that out. And again, theathletic.com slash leaf report. Uh, so you mentioned the slump, skid, whatever the hell you want to call it. One win in five games, three wins in 10 games, nine wins in 20. That's it. That's that's. You memorized all that. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's kind of the way my brain works. Are you like one? Are you like um, Rain Man? Where you kind of yeah yeah. They're nine nine and two in the last twenty <laughs> twenty and nine nine and two in the last twenty. Yeah, nine wins in the last twenty games. Just drop some matchsticks <laughs> and I can count how many were in the box. That's an awesome movie. Or or is it was it it was toothpicks I think it wasn't matchsticks and he he can he knew how many had were in the box. What was it? What was Tom Cruise's name? Charlie Bab. Charlie is he Charlie Babbitt? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And he was Raymond. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So one thing that, that I struggle with sometimes in our job is, especially for a team like this that's really good, it's hard to make too much of something like this. And yet, like it's it's notable when for a month they've not played particularly well. And yet, like, you kind of know that eventually a lot of this is going to change. Um, how concerned are you or or would you be if you were management or the coaching staff? Or would you just look at this like, you know what? Let's debate this because I think that you can go both ways on this. Like, okay, which side do you want to be? I'm not sure if I... I, I think that there's reason for a little bit of concern. Okay, why is that? Because I, they, the way they play in the game, some of the games they lose, is just god-awful. And they, then the, the, the little, you got the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? So the angel's saying, well, you know what, like all teams in the NHL have like off games. Yeah. All teams like play their back-to-backs. And, but I don't know. The Leafs just seem super, super inconsistent. And it's been, I, I would argue it's been about 20 games. You can even expand, like that, remember the, the, remember the game they won in Detroit where it was a, it was a went to a sh- overtime or a shootout. Um, they lost that game, but they were down like four one, and they came roaring back. And then yeah. Detroit won in overtime. Like they looked brutal most of that game, but they still got a point out of it. So people say, "Oh, you know, whatever." And mm-hmm. I just that, that I think that was twenty games ago. That was the line that game that they lost in overtime. And I think since then they've just had a lot of stinker games. Okay, so Dubis actually mentioned sort of that that earlier in the year he said they were winning games. <laughs> Uh, when they probably put, didn't play that well, and, and now you look at some of these games and they're playing okay and not winning. So like that's, I know you can look at the results. Like let's look at some of these games. So Arizona, they were blah. I know you know Babcock came out and said they played fine. That team, you look at that roster, they need to beat that team. They, were, and they need to outplay. Arizona it. was ahead of them on expected goals. Like, well, but Leafs were way ahead in possession. Like they, whatever. You still they still weren't. They great. were way ahead on Corsi, but if you looked at like shots and other things, like tons and tons of shots were blocked in that game. So they weren't great. The Florida game, they weren't great. Tampa game, Florida they game, they were terrible. That's their were worst game of the year. Okay, Tampa game was maybe yeah, their best were, game of the great. year. Colorado game, they were bad. Boston game, they were good. They lose that game. Jersey game, they were fine. So it's like really good against Vancouver. They like it, it's been up and down. It's not been consistent. They don't always look like 
I mean, it's hard to measure against Tampa because Tampa is the best team in the league. But like you do measure against Tampa because they're in the division, they're a rival. Tampa seems like they're just more this, and I'm using my hand right. to do like kind of an even streak. <laughs> that doesn't work as opposed to this, like up and down and up and down. We haven't seen them like consistently night to night put a string of like five, six, seven games yeah. in a row where they're like, you're like, man, that team can win a cup right now. I don't, I'm not measuring them against Tampa. Like, I don't, like, Tampa's on pace for 130 points or whatever. I don't think they need to be that. I'm measuring the Leafs against what they were last year. And like, I think that if, if they're the same team as last year, that's a problem. Can, like, I, yeah, I think they need to be better than last year. So it, when you say, is there a concern? Well, they're going to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. they're going to have 100 points. Unless like something really ridiculous happens, they're going to be top three in the Atlantic. They're going to play probably Boston in the first round. All those things are fine. So like the level of concern is like like it's not like they're falling apart. It's just are they just kind of like are they the seventh best team in the league or are they the second best team in the league? Because that to me that's a big difference. Well, but so part of what's going on right now is a few things. One, their goaltending hasn't been as good, which you wrote about. Uh, they went through six games where Frederick Anderson wasn't playing. Michael Hutchinson was fine. Garrett Sparks has been whatever. Um, Austin Matthews hasn't been scoring, which is like a reversal from earlier in the year when he was shooting like 30%. So that's kind of come back down to earth. I imagine that will swing the other way here soon. William Nylander obviously hasn't been producing, which has gotten some headlines. Uh, their power play is like non not a factor at all. I know they're not getting a lot, but even when they do get power plays, it's it's not good. You know what's weird about the power plays? You look at the underlying numbers and the chances and stuff are good. good, But you watch the power play and it doesn't seem very impressive. I think that's an area where they've been kind of committed generally to keeping kind of the same look. I know they tried Matthews on the other unit briefly. It almost feels like they should try something different in terms of like moving personnel actually around, which they haven't done. Um, But so like eventually you figure with the talent that they have that their power play is going to be better because it's been bad for like more than a month. Um, so like it feels like there are some things here that can change and that can kind of swing the other way, which will result in them starting to win more games. But like you don't see enough of like those Tampa games where it's just like they don't give up anything. Like they gave up three high danger chances that whole game. Here's something I didn't have in my story that was talking about the slump is that if you look at scoring chances against and high danger scoring chance against – they're actually relatively low over this this period, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Well, like even the Florida game, they didn't give up a ton of that, um, but they were just they didn't generate anything. Yeah. So there's I think there's a lot of truth to what Dubas is saying in that you know we won games we shouldn't have won early in the year and now we're losing games we should win. I think there absolutely there's sure. if you look at PDO, it's like it was super high the first uh, twenty five games and now it's come way back down and all of that's to be expected. I just. Um, I think that if there's a concern, like I said, I think it's that they're not taking it a step from what they were last year. And you had John Tavares and... But it's hard, like, when you look at the roster, they have taken a step. John Tavares is obviously way better than Tyler Bozak. Andreas Janssen is way better than the Andreas Janssen of last year. But then why are they on year. pace for fewer points than last year? Well, because, like, right now they're going through a spell where, quote the stats again, what are the stats? Nine of... Nine, nine, and two in the last <laughs> 20. Yeah, three and seven in the last 10. Thank you, Charlie. Um... Actually, Raymond. I guess I'm Charlie. Um, that's not going to keep up. Like, I, it wouldn't. Would it surprise you? Granted, the All Star break's coming up, but if they won five of their next six, like it doesn't. And then suddenly they're back on pace for 113 yeah. points. Like this changes. It's hard as 
a media member, and it's obviously way harder as a fan. It's a hard, to, it's a hard sport to cover. Well, because, because like it's just like it's schizo, schizophrenic. Like it's just up and down. Yeah. Nobody's I really call it Jekyll and Hyde, and it's like yeah, that's why I say like a lot of teams are inconsistent. So, so what we're trying to do is kind of be level headed about it and say, okay, they're in a slump because they're losing games, but what does it mean? And if you look at just the numbers, it's actually the goaltending that has taken the biggest yeah. swing in the last twenty games out of anything. Well, Anderson wasn't great in December, and then he got hurt, and like Sparks and Hutchinson are what they are. Right. And then the goal scoring problems have been more so the last like ten games because they were scoring before that. So the goal scoring cool down, which was inevitable. I mean, they're still shooting ten point six percent, but before they were shooting eleven point six. So. Hmm. Well, so um, let's like. Do you think this team is better than last year's team, like with how it's performed? Yes. For like all some of the reasons I mentioned, Marner is a better player than he was. Well, last Riley, year. Riley's better. They've had some players. Dermot's better than he was. Yeah, like there's too many parts of that roster that I look at are, that are better. So I think they are better, and I think they will be better. Um, but let's talk about. Would you be? Let me ask you this: okay. Would you be more inclined to make a trade given what you've seen over the last month? No, because. No, because the the areas where I think that they are weak, I thought they were weak before. Yeah. And I think this is where and this is where I think Kyle Dubas is probably a good guy to have as your GM. I don't think I think you look at other GMs and Shirelli's a good example where they ride the wave. And so when the team is bad, they're like shit, we got to do something. We got to give Koskinen four and a half million dollars a year or whatever. Crazy shit. Because they, they're they weighing the emotions that they're feeling and they're feeling like we need to do something. And like right. you even saw people in Edmonton, like media people saying like, well, they had to do something. And it's like, no, you, you don't. You you can do nothing and kind of ride it out. Well, because- look, at, look at the sequence of events where they trade Jordan Everly to, to the Islanders for Strom and then they mm-hmm. trade Strom to the Rangers for Spooner and then Spooner's on waivers yesterday and no one claims him and it's... He's making, I think he's making three point two. Because it's no plan. It's for like another year. It's not having like a long term vision of what you are. I don't think the the problems with the roster right now after nine two, what is it? Nine nine and two are any different than before. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Their defense, like the right defense, is still an issue. You, you know what's still- fascinating is that their their analytics, like their possession and it's been really good. They've been good. Yeah, is that what Dubas was kind of saying that today, right? I don't think he didn't mention possession. Exactly. Was he wearing his process T-shirt? No, actually, and I noted this in my story. Maybe it was under his suit. He was wearing a Marley's jacket. Oh, good little detail. It's time um, to. You're not with the Marleys anymore. Yeah, but so we should mention that the broadcast also brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame. Um, I've noticed like lots of people tweeting out some of the cool socks that they got. Um, it sounded like Christmas that went well for those guys, so we're well, very, we're very happy for them. Well, but like even now, like you get some special socks for the friggin' cold today. Yeah, it's brutal. They're gonna have to make some warmer ones. Yeah, they should make like woolly socks. I have my Marilyn Muse, and I wear them under my beer league equipment when I play. Do you double sock? No, huh. that's crazy. I double sock when you when you skate all the time, just oh. like in life. Yeah, okay. we're, we're both skinny guys. Um, so the other thing I wanted us to talk about just in regards to kind of this skid um, is what Mike Babcock is doing about it. Um, so he has done something or we think he's going to do something and maybe by the time you Might listen to this. Might just be warm up. Who the hell knows. But it looks like he's going to play Matthews and Marner together. Um, he's been shuffling around the lines like crazy. And I think that's one of the, the subplots of this year is like they haven't had the stability in terms of combinations that have been working what were you surprised that he's going to do that 
and do you think it's the right move? I was a little bit surprised. I don't mind it at all. I think that they should try something. The only thing is, is that of late, it kind of feels like they're the lines are like in a blender every like few games, mm-hmm. which you need to like settle in with some consistency on some lines. The problem is like nothing has really worked. Like they've tried. Like Matthews has literally played with every winger but Lindholm, and now he's going to play with Marner. Um, the problem, I honestly like a big part of this is is Nealander not being right. Yeah, because like that. Well, we were talking about before, right before he signed it. Oh, now the second power play unit will probably get going a little bit better, and it's been so bad. Yes, it's it's almost worse now. Yeah, it's it's a disaster. Um, but like it, that can change, and like there are like flashes where you see what they're trying to accomplish, and they'll they'll get a look. And, and Neander has had some chances where he just misses. He's obviously missed the net quite a bit. Um, but like him being off kind of screws things up, because like when when he's on. Then you've got Matthews Neander. You can keep Marner with Tavares. And then, like, the puzzle pieces kind of fit better. The other thing is... They're a one-line team lately, right? Well, like, not even that. Like, the Marner-Tavares thing hasn't really worked that that well either. Right. Um, I thought it was obviously... I thought it was interesting that Janssen was starting to fit with Matthews, but now he's out. They're not obviously... Like, they don't have a ton of depth on left wing and, like, real high-quality depth. Especially with Janssen getting hurt. Like, That's what I said. Ennis is hurt and... Do you ever watch um, like games where the play-by-play guy will say something and then the analyst clearly hasn't been listening and will just repeat the same thing? It drives me crazy. What, what are you What are you insinuating? I'm not, I'm not paying attention. Well, you weren't listening. I'm still just, just thinking about why practice was canceled. <laughs> I just I just literally said that. Um, but well, I, if you look at statistically, Janssen over the last whatever thirty games has been their second best winger on the team. And better like, than Kapanen, better than everybody, other than Marner. And that doesn't feel like it's like noise. Like he oh, no. feels he, like legitimately he, looked, he has been really good. I think he looks great. I yeah. think he's been fantastic. Yeah. I don't think he was great last game, but uh, but yeah, generally he he's had Well, he had a concussion last game. Yeah, well before the concussion dodo. Um <laughs> but it, I think it is good positive for them that Babcock is willing to try some things because one of the, the complaints criticisms fair criticism sometimes is that last he's year they stuck with stuff that wasn't working for a everything. long time and even on defense this year like he has been kind of stubbornly holding to the same thing now it's a little tougher there because there's not that many options but it does feel like you should try some things just to try some things like you're going to make the playoffs um the frustrating thing last yeah. year is that they didn't change things around for a long period of time and I think it ended up hurting them in the playoffs because they were, mm-hmm. they got kind of stale. And that's how they feel right now. Um, yeah. And the reason, like, it's interesting, like, if you make the parallel with the Raptors, um, one of the things Nick Nurse is doing in his first year as their coach is, like, just trying all these different lineups just in case they get to the playoffs and, like, they have to try something different. Like, a matchup forces them to use a different lineup. That is something that Mike Babcock hasn't done, which feels wrong because like you could get into a situation where like Hainsey and Riley are getting destroyed and you don't have any other you have never tried anything else that happened against Boston right I mean, and we, they didn't have anything else right and so like that's why it feels like you should try some things well and I think beating a team like Boston you want you know what I was thinking is that when when Gardner how many games is Gardner missed just the one right yeah. when you don't have Gardner and you're trailing in a game all of a sudden, they don't have a lot of options because they don't have very many offensive defensemen on this team. Yeah. If you've got Ozhaganov and Marinchin and Hainsey <clears throat> and Zaitsev, I'm losing my voice here, you've only got two offensive defensemen, 
and you're trailing in a game and you need a goal, you got to keep rolling. They were putting Marincin out there and Hainsey out there for shifts, um, and, and Zaitsev, and he's got had like four points. So I wonder if long-term the plan for this defense is to get defensemen who are better offensively than what they have right now because the idea of the stay-at-home defenseman is gone, but... Well, the like, ability to move the puck on this blue line is not high enough, I don't think. Well, think about who's coming. Like Sandine yeah. is that. Lilligren yeah. is that. Like yeah. that's that's clearly the kind of player that Kyle Dubas wants. It's just not there yet. Rosen's that. They've, they've, I, what I've liked that Babcock has done is Dermot's minutes are up from last year uh, a bit. He's close to 18 a game. Um, but not only that, when they're trailing in games, he's getting a lot more minutes. Mm-hmm. And that makes it. Uh, he looks great in that role. The guys out when I played beer league on Sunday, and the guys on my team were saying how great he looked when he started getting more minutes and was trailing in games, and just there's a, there's a lot of tools there for Dermot that they need to use, and but it makes you realize when even when Gardner's there, they don't have they can't put out two full pairs of guys that are going to generate offense. No, well, unless you unless you think Hainsey's going to generate offense, I don't. Um, Ozeganov moves the puck well, but. Hasn't generated a ton of offense, and obviously Zaitsev is what he is at this point. Um, is there anything else do you think he should do, can do? I'm not sure. Babcock? If it, yeah, I'm not sure if there is. Um, the only thing I had in my story is that I would think about putting Marner with Kadri and using that as a shutdown line, because that worked really well last year. I think the... I'm not sure about that, but I do think that there is some merit to having him go back to that role. Because I think like he, I think he needs Marner to help him do that role though, right? Like if you're yeah, well top, that's yeah, that's a if good you're point. against top lines, he needs a really strong winger with him to help him accomplish that. Like you can't just put okay, Kadri's shutting down now, and then he's got yeah. you know Joe Schmo as his wing. Like that's not going to work. Well, and the problem with with using him is like if he if you're using him as your matchup guy, suddenly he's playing against top lines, which means he's playing a lot, which means less minutes for Matthews and Tavares, which doesn't totally work. Like the, the the one thing like we haven't talked about a lot is like bringing Tavares in while the right move does cause like all these little I think tremors. you can still find the minutes though. Like I think like it it's like how they use Hainsey in a matchup role but his minutes are down. It's like you can yeah. still be in a matchup role but not play huge minutes. And Kadri's not killing penalties. I mean, I guess he's on the power play. I think if you get get Kadri into like the 17 range and then Tavares and Matthews are in like 19-ish. That that's where you. That's won't. basically what it is. I know that's it's a little it bit right less. Now. Like there, are... but I think if you put Kadri in a matchup role, it's not probably not nineteen. The bigger problem I think is if Marner's on that line and you're trying to hold Kadri's minutes down a little bit, you don't want Marner's minutes to come down. So maybe you work him in on shifts with the other guys if if you're trailing in a game. Yeah. Well, and one of the the things that that has kind of happened this year is Marlowe is thirty nine, yeah. like and looks thirty nine. Looks I think like he has, he's. What does he have? Four points in the last twenty. Say it's really low, something like that, yeah. and it doesn't like that doesn't feel like an aberration. That just feels like what he is, which is like an important thing, not just this year, obviously next year, because if he's looking like he's just about done now, what does that mean next year when he's still on the books? But that's another question for later. I think the older guys on this team, and there aren't very many of them, but I think that they look like they've slowed down from last year. Well, so this is like some a point you and I have made. Sit them on the second half of back to backs, like that doesn't make any sense yeah and then Marlo's like was never gonna sit and then you could try he's got that iron well, man he's going. got the streak yeah it, it honestly like he has a chance to like top gordy howe for games played he needs to basically play like a season and a half after this i think yeah i think you're 
That's crazy. And he's not even that old. Like, Gordy Howe did it when he was, like, 55 or whatever. But it doesn't totally feel like he's going to be able to get there. You think next year's his last year? I would have a hard time looking at him if I was another team and signing him after that. I guess, like, if he's willing to be a fourth line forward. San Jose for $2 million or something. I mean, he still would be a really good depth forward, I think. Well, and, like, he's really... He was interesting talking to him at the end of last year, and I was like, man, this guy's never going to retire. And then this is the first year where... I mean, he has has taken steps back in previous years, but this is the first year where I think it's debatable if he's still top nine right now. I don't think he is. Right. He's not going to be outside the top nine like that. I don't see happening. But it feels like he's past the point of being useful which is a bit way. frustrating because you wonder like I, Ennis was playing really well when he got hurt and he looks like a guy who could potentially should be higher than the fourth line and Moore played really well in like very limited minutes and yeah, yeah. so that's 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 one of the things that um, kind of boxes them in a little bit if they're mm-hmm. not willing to move Marlowe down yeah um, anything else you want to talk about before All-Star break are you excited you're going to the All-Star game yay woohoo no, I'm not excited. Yeah. It's not very fun. Good luck. The, like, media party and stuff will probably be good, right? Free food? People, like, are obsessed with free food, so sure. I'm going to get free food. That doesn't happen very often in this this job. Well, it's not their job to feed you. No. So. But at the All-Star Game, for some reason, we get free food. And I think you'll get, like, free swag. Really? I think so. It's like they they give you like weird like a notebook and like I haven't been to the All Star game in a long time. I don't really need another notebook. <laughs> it's not that fun. Uh so we will be back uh with another podcast after the All Star break when James has like got all his goodies and he's got his free food. Maybe uh, they'll cancel practice again. And you can write about that. So again, the podcast brought to you by the Athletic. Go to the athletic.com slash leaf report for forty percent off. Uh give it a shot. Uh, we think you'll like it and the Saki Hall of Fame Um, we think you'll like their socks too Uh, so we will be back in a couple weeks thanks for listening looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.